You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to episode four of At Home with Walkie MC. Uh, we are glad to be with you again, as we are every week uh, for another episode. This week we have our guests with us in studio, uh, Andy and Julie Lehman. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with our format, each week we have what we're calling our Sunday sessions, which we have a group of Christian leaders that are coming in and talking to our congregation at Wakarusa Missionary Church about specific issues that we feel are incredibly important for uh, the life of uh, faith, uh, for just some practical care issues uh, within families and homes. And uh, this past Sunday, Andy, Ju- Andy and Julie came in and spoke with us on the topic of grief. Uh, they're momentarily going to just share kind of a recap of their story, and we're going to dive into some uh, further conversation points around grief. But we also want to welcome, as always, my friend, my colleague, Angie Brenneman, pastor to the stars. Uh, yeah, she. It's, you, it's a good thing we're on a podcast. You can't see her face. She made a strange face at me. But hi, Angie. How are you doing? Hey, Joel. I'm glad to be here with you today. Yeah, so good. I'm glad yes. you are. I'm yes. so glad you are. Yeah. So uh, we again. This I felt like this past Sunday session, just in general, when I looked at just the engagement from everybody that was there. We we as we're setting up in tables uh, around our fellowship hall. Um, as we will discuss, the topic of grief is not far from anybody at, at any given level. So uh, Andy and Julie, uh, before we go through our questions here, which An- uh, Angie will kind of queue up for us, uh, tell us if you were just kind of give a, a flyover summary of the things that we discussed in our Sunday sh- session this past Sunday, kind of give us a summary um, as we transition also into our deeper conversation. Sure. So Julia and I uh, had a stillborn child, a daughter, in 2014. So that's kind of our basis of coming at grief. Yeah. And we we said grief is something that is systemic. It's going to be everything about your whole body is going to experience grief. It's your mental, your physical, emotional. It's everything about you is what you're going to experience when you experience grief. And it's not really a linear thing that you can experience. You know, a lot of times we like to think of the five stages of grief and kind of in a linear There's thing. a beginning, a middle, and, 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 end. Yeah. and, and we, we showed a slide that we really like that has it more like a tangled ball of yarn because yeah. really that's what it is. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add to that, Julie? Yeah, just that grief is unique. Um, every Though Andy and I experienced the loss of the same person, um, our grief experiences were vastly different. Um, but then also at the same time, grief is just such a great catalyst for us to draw closer to the Lord and, and to be sanctified through that whole process. And so um, though grief doesn't feel like it, grief is a gift. Yeah, and I, I think that's the uh, – we had some kind of follow-up conversation around you know, our our culture, it, it seems like other cultures and even farther back in history uh, where death, for instance, was a more common uh, part of a societal life. It was it was more frequent, um, you know, 
the death of children in young years was more common. I, I'm sure all of us have family stories if we know farther back of, you know, there was a family of of six kids of which two died early in, mm. in life, sure. you know, and that was a story that was frequently uh, shared amongst families and just kind of recognized. It seems like now those realities, obviously due to medical intervention and things like that, but just in general, because we are in a quote unquote safer culture in a lot of ways, we don't enter into the conversation of grief and loss in the same way. It's, it's not as, and we almost are trying to, let's be honest, uh, run from it or just sweep it under the rug or, or whatever the case might be. And so, um, we, we just have this sense that, uh, if anybody should be talking about, grief and then which we introduced this great concept biblical concept of lament and the process of loss and understanding loss if anyone is talking about that it should be faith communities it should be uh, local local churches and so that's that's a big part of why we're having this conversation and again so glad to have you guys as a part of it so uh, Angie, as we've been diving into this conversation, we had some questions that were offered up and we've kind of wanted to continue on the conversation from our Sunday session. So cue us up to kind of what, what are the questions? What are the, the deeper things that we can talk about on the subject of grief? Yes. So I want to um, piggyback on what you just said, Joel, too. So as a church, we want to talk about these things because it's so necessary for the growth and discipleship of um, learning how to be more like Jesus in real life situations. And we're going to have a real life situation at some point when it comes to death. We all know that God's going to, we only have a limited amount of time here on yeah. earth. We are, you know, mortal beings. And so I just think we can't avoid this subject. And I think oftentimes our culture wants us to avoid it. Yeah. And even people just stray away from even talking about it. And we talked one of our points yesterday was you can't ignore grief. Yeah. And recognizing that grief too, we can grieve over many things. We are talking, you know, death being a very clear uh, example, but also many other losses or, or as you guys, or even happy, happy response, you know, happy things happening in your life can cause a grief. You guys mentioned, you guys, it was kind of funny. You heard the little chuckle in the room when we mentioned marriage, Marriage, but, but I, as I was sitting there thinking about that, I'm like, there were parts of my life that, that changed and that experienced, uh, you know, they're kind of appealing away of myself and my uh, whatever in the happiness of, of starting my marriage. And just to be clear, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm glad to be married and I oh, love well, my wife very, very much and <laughs> yes, as, like. as we all love our spouses, but yes. yes so, um, but it also was in regards to like divorce or loss of a job yeah. or even as an empty nester, um, you know, that's getting close in my life. And I understand that, um, Chris would be here and he'd say the same thing. It's a total different experience. So there is a loss in mm-hmm. that. I had, so, a, yeah. And I had a really, just a really deep and meaningful conversation with a gentleman after words that was that was talking about the empty nest process and how he and his spouse are experiencing it very differently sure. and how how he's trying to trying to communicate have open lines of communication even though they're at different places with the process sure. so that was yeah just a really really interesting thing yes so but let's talk about this um on a different angle let's take a little different angle yesterday as we talked through grief you um both said and I know Joel and I agree with you that grief is necessary. That seems like a pretty strong statement out there um, to throw that out. 
And especially when you haven't experienced a loss of a loved one. And so we just kind of laid the groundwork here that grief is more than just a loss of a loved one. But why is grief necessary in our lives? So let's unpack that a little bit. Sure. And I think it is important for us to, to focus on on what we just laid out there, too, that, that we don't just experience grief in its most traumatic sense. We experience grief throughout our day. Um, and so, uh, you know, especially as we're thinking about young people who, who maybe, maybe they've had a grandparent pass away or a great grandparent and, and that's really the only taste of, of death that they've had that can get really maybe lofty for them to understand. But then if we take the step back and go, okay, but, but as a young person over the past 18 months with the pandemic, I've experienced the grief of, of missing out on, on prom and graduation. I've experienced the grief of, of different things like that. And so, so we do experience grief in a necessary way just by being human. Um, and why it's so necessary. Well, it's biblical. Um, um, Grief is a part of the human experience, and if we shut ourselves out to to that grief, we we shut ourselves out to God and to what He wants to do with within us. But I think what you had said, you know, sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like grief, if especially if it's somebody who may not it, it's a loved one, like you said, your grandpa or grandma, but maybe you weren't super close to them day to day. So especially being younger, you may not have experienced that that same degree of grief that maybe I, I you, you or I or, or somebody else would have. Right. Yeah. I would agree with you guys both. There's different degrees, different levels. I think we all experience, but I'm going to challenge. Um, let's talk about this a little bit. And I think how can we use grief to better understand our Christian faith and Jesus and our relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and discipleship? That's a big yeah. concept. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I think um, my mind often goes to um, the Bible where it says, you know, um, God disciplines those that he loves. And and though when I use the word discipline, that might come across of like you've done something wrong and so God has chosen to take your loved one or to cause you this difficulty. That's not what I mean. I mean God loves you and so he allows you to go through these difficult things because he knows that's what what will draw you closer to him. That is what sanctifies. That's, that's a, a tool that he uses in your life to make you more like him. And, and if we want to look to the Bible for that example, all we have to do is look to Jesus. I mean, there, right there, we know in Isaiah, he is called the suffering servant and, and grief is suffering. And so, um, yeah. Why is it necessary? Because it, it just like with our children, if we allow their lives to just be happy, hunky dory all the time, they become entitled and they don't realize that the world around them isn't there just for them. And so it's the same for us in our Christian walk. It's, you know, grief is there to, to kind of level us and, and then to bring us into right, right standing with God. Any thoughts, Andy? Yeah, I think, I think that. I, I mean, I, I'm definitely agreeing with you, and I think that it's through those times of grief that we we see we tend to find God more. Like it, God shows up in those times of grief, um, and and we see we see the reality of, of what He is and how He's caring for us. And and it's not just um, I don't want to leave it just on that discipline side of things too. In that grief, we are able to 
to see the contrast in God's character to man's character. And we're able to more fully understand his love and his kindness and his goodness and his justice and and all of the things that make God who he is um, because we are put back kind of in that right right standing. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And I think also we can even add that there is a a really sanctifying grief when we see ourselves in light of Jesus and our sins. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we stray away from that uncomfortable feeling of, wait, you know, I don't, I'm kind of not the best person and I might not have it all together. And I think there's really an important part of that repentant heart Mm -hmm. and that grief comes in that, that man, I, I hurt my savior. He carried my sins for me. And I think we don't go there very often. This is a concept that we don't um, really talk about. I think very much in the church. Yeah. I, I, the, the concept, the important realization of our own uh, frailty, our own spiritual frailty. You talk earlier about, um, you know, with regard to our children and and how we're impacting them and how we're teaching them, you know, when we either, when we bubble wrap our kids from hard things, we make them weak. And and by weak, I I mean mentally, emotionally, and and spiritually. Um, That isn't to say that we pull back the, I mean, there are certain things, obviously, there's always this caveat. There's certain things, obviously, that I'm not repeatedly exposing my children to. You know, as we've talked before on this show, you know, I don't have, I don't have uh, Fox News, CNN, whatever, you know, on in the background the whole time. And, you know, just for my kids to see all of the world all at once, so to speak. But they need to recognize that. We can't hide them from loss. We cannot hide them from grief. This is this is a part, and it is at the heart of, if we want them to know Jesus, this is a means by which we are exposing them to the heart of God, too, that to say, guys, you know, like, you know how you're feeling this right now? Imagine, imagine how Christ feels when he exceeds not only this mm-hmm. situation, but like all of the hurting in the world all at once like that you you start you start going to those places and you're like makes sense to me why he's a man of sorrow and and deeply troubled by the world and and those Mm -hmm. and those sort of things so i think that can be a really helpful place to take our children if we walk alongside them uh that way yeah and i i think that leads us into this whole concept of um, really diving into how do we parent kids through grief I think we can um, kind of, like you said, bubble wrap them, and that's actually not the way to go, right? Talk to right. me a little bit about that, Julie and Andy. So, yeah, I think, I think for us, I mean, we, we went ahead right away, like even in the hospital, when we brought the, our kids in and kind of explained to them. And that, that for me was like probably one of the hardest things that I've done as an adult is having to tell my, my kids your daughter died or your sister died and and you're not going to get to see her. And I know you don't really understand this, but I think that like for us, we've noticed that all of our kids are, you know, they're just as unique as us. They're experiencing the grief in different ways also. And it was hard sometimes to know if it was actually like grief or just kids acting out. Uh, Cause that, you know, that's one of the things that we noticed, you know, sometimes they would say like they would do something and it's hard to know like for me, Julie can say, "Oh, you know, you're not normally like that. This, you're probably not, you're probably are actually grieving something." And for the for 
them, sometimes it was hard to see if they were to know if they were actually grieving or if it was kids acting out. But, yeah. Yeah, but we, hard to know how to discipline. Yeah. When. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you are you having a bad day because of grief or just because you're four years old and you didn't get your way? It it was really hard to to discern and walk that line, but but it was important. Yeah. It was it was definitely important for us to to let them grieve and not try to over I say over parent in that way. Like, but it was also a good reminder too that that okay, so outside of grief, when my child is acting out, am I this em- empathetic, or am I just ready <laughs> to kind of lay down the law and tell them to shape up? Um, and so that's I think been a good lesson that we have carried forward with us um, to piggyback off of what Andy said about you know each of our kids. Um, handled grief and processed grief very differently. You know, our loss was seven years ago and a lot of growth happens um, when you're going from eight to 15. And and that's what we've seen just in our oldest. And so um, kids will, um, will very, um, they demonstrate very well for us how grief truly is a lifelong thing. Um, as our as our children get older, they're able to process um, our our story differently and and on different layers. And so they're a good reminder that that yeah, like gr- this grief is is not a thing that just ends or just goes away. That it, it continues on, and and they just can kind of. Um, Help us remember that uh, that it's still something that um, we deal with, and as much as we would like to say we don't, at times it, it's still it's still there, and mm-hmm. and we see that so well through them. Mm-hmm. I think I w- I would relate to you guys. I can remember I was by myself because Dan was at the hospital when his dad died, and I was with the three kids in Gra- in Grace and Katie's room, and I had to tell them that Papa went to heaven and the day before Dan had shared with them that this was the last time they were going to see him and we just kind of knew and and it was really hard and I understand that Andy when you say that was one of the hardest things because you want to be very clear and this is something that people across the board will tell you that when you talk to kids about grief you have to be clear concise and give them the straight answer because they're not like I didn't tell my kids hey guys your papa went away for a while yeah no I said your papa has died. He's he's with Jesus, mm-hmm. and it was really really hard. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't just say, well, it's just like the kitty, you know, went yeah. to the <laughs> went to the farm down the road. <laughs> yes, yes, that's not that's not actually what psychologists and um, all the the people that work with children in this um, in a really intense way say, do not do that. Say it straight out. Give it to them, and really. <laughs> I, I, just, I just have to make a confession here. So, so several years ago, this would have been Aaron. Aaron would have been four years old, and we were at a we were at a friend's house, and their their cat. This cat, by the way, was a real piece of work. Uh, the cat's name was Princess, by the way, too. So, if it just tells you anything, cat was a real piece of work. Uh, it it bit Aaron like pretty badly, and then the owner who proceeded to go and like take the cat elsewhere. It like attacked the owner too. Like the cat was not quite right. So anyway, so the cat was put, ended up being put down is what, what happened. So it died. It, yes. So thank you. So <laughs> I'm just giving you, you an example. Right. I'm really giving you right. an example. Thank here. you. Let's yes. use yeah, So they, they killed the, they killed the cat. They did. They, they killed, they took the cat to a, to a veterinarian clinic and right. But then they also, the thing is they, what the, 
they, they save the brain, by the way, because they have to do like they have to test it later for rabies, rabies. blah, blah, blah. Right. Anyway, yeah. strange stuff, people. Anyway, no, I live on a farm. Yeah. So this is this is what they do. Well, so later that week, we're having bedtime prayer time with Aaron and I go, Aaron, what should we what should we thank God for? And Aaron goes, we should thank God for the nice family that adopted princess. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right, because we told him that princess went away somewhere else as, yes. opposed, as opposed to being put down. And and I think to myself now, now I'm just sitting here going, did we ever make it clear to Aaron that, that princess didn't go just, away to another family? Just show this podcast yeah, episode. Right. It'll be right. fine. Aaron, if you're listening to this, right. uh, I'm sorry if this is how you're finding out that princess is <laughs> – uh, not in a not in a better place the way you thought she was, but you're right. We have this tendency to, I mean, in our culture, even you know, we use the terms "pass away." We use you know all these these things as opposed to they're dead, they died, um, they're no longer living. Well, um, and I think that reality is kind of hard for us to grasp in that moment of trauma. And I think even as we kind of talk through this with kids, you guys know, because both of you guys had different kids at different ages, that they're not going to understand the whole entire thing. Right. Yeah. And they're, they, they're, they're understanding it differently and, and processing it differently. Yeah, yeah for mm-hmm. sure. Even our daughter now, who is 11, but was four at the time, will say, you know, that night that you told us that Macy died, I was so confused, but everybody was crying, so I knew I should too. And so, I mean, even then, though, we used very concrete language, it still was very confusing for her. And we just had to continue to Mm -hmm. speak in ways that she understood that were also very clear. Right. And you have to check in over time. Like, it's not just a one time where you have this conversation. And I think that uh, checking in looks differently for everybody. It's not just sitting here. Hey, Joel, how's your how are you doing today? Do you feel grief? That's not checking in. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. right. You're walking with your kids. And I think um, one of the things we've really learned, too, is we talked a little bit about it yesterday. And I think, Julie, you really said it um, well, as you said, there's always going to be a piece of the puzzle that's missing. Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize this and actually honor it through holidays, through mm-hmm. the seasons. And I think we often just kind of want to get to the next thing. And grief it's, it needs that process for kids, for adults, all of us to recognize yeah. that missing puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, I, th- I think for you, uh, for both of you specifically, every year when April 12th rolls around, and so this will be, this coming April will be her Macy's eighth, eighth. birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, what bring us into a little bit because we we have as a community surrounding you have dedicated like you know for sure you're gonna at bare minimum get a text from message from me on that yeah. day but like we've all wanted to say we're acknowledging this birthday we're acknowledging mm-hmm. this day this this will continue to be a part of our of our celebration of her life what what is it like on the emotional end as that day gets closer for you I think for me, sometimes it sneaks up on me. And so I I get so busy with other things, but then it all of a sudden will hit me. Oh, right. Like it's the 12th and, and kind of that weight of that kind of hits me. 
And for me, I think that um, the days leading up, my anticipation of what it could be like is usually far worse than the day itself. Um, on the day itself, we do. We get those text messages. Um, we have something to do with our grief, whereas, you know, we have a birthday cake. We have, um, you know, her box to look through. Um, there's something to do with it. So it's often not as bad as I am anticipating for it to be. But those days leading up are... Yeah, can be a struggle for sure. But I, I would say too, though, that, that it is still nice to like. I appreciate it every year coming around when I get text messages from all of my friends who experience the grief with me. Mm-hmm. To know that you are still thinking about my, me, Julie, our kids, Macy. It's nice to know that it's not just us and our immediate family that's still experiencing that. It, that that you guys are thinking of that too, and you guys mentioned a couple. Of, I mean, practical things in terms of the birthday cake, mm-hmm. the the cake, the um, the the photos, the memories. Um, just as a that too, helping families and kids process through. It, it's just that that again that reminder. Um, Joel, can I yeah. say something yeah. before we move on yeah. to this? Because I think. The scripture really points to this, and I think as a church and as a church body and those listeners out there who know um, of people going through grief, that this is part of um, the healing process and where the church comes in. One of the instructions of Jesus was to what? Care for the widows and orphans. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we often get to this point where, well, we cared for them. We took care of the funeral. We made the casserole. We um, made sure. We sent the card. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the care looks really different in real life for those people. And so I just want you guys that are out there listening that are um, in that grieving process to know that we see you, we, we um, hear you and we want to be there for you. And I think um, I challenge the believers and friends around those people to really uh, minister the gospel. And that is really what Jesus calls us to do. Because I think like you guys said, those texts, the things that even if it's a certain day of the year or it's a holiday, Mm -hmm. it may, guys, it may even be a Sunday because as a widow, as someone who's um, spent their day with a companion on our day of rest, it's pretty quiet Mm -hmm. and very lonely in those days. And it may just be doing something, um, reaching out. And so I just challenge us because that's something that I think in grief, we often talk about the person and what they're going through. We don't often challenge the people around them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think of the image, uh, and for all of you listening, we, we mentioned it on Sunday, but Julie serves as a pastor of congregational care at Clinton frame church where I previously served. And I, I think about one of our, our friends at Clinton frame who, who lost a spouse last year and the simple act of walking to church and just sitting in the pew, so to speak, where where his wife previously mm-hmm. sat in it, like that act in of itself was just was tough. It was tough. It's both this desire to enter into worship and to community with other people, but in doing that also brings with him this loss. And I think about the, you know, uh, church meals where you have like the widows, you know, the widows table, and you have you know the, the group of people where it's like. I guess for any of us, are we making sp- are we making space intentional, intentional space. space? And I think that's the word. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's it for for people that have that have experienced loss and and finding ways. Uh, Julie, I and I think of also as we're talking about memory, like memory making and, and maintaining memories. A couple of questions I have. Number one, have your 
I've heard this said elsewhere, and I'm just wondering what your guys' experience is. Have you, have your, have you yourselves or your kids ever worried about forgetting Macy in some, oh, man. in some way? You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say for me, that was the number one thought that consumed my life, especially in the early days of my grief. It was um, so like initially I like couldn't bring myself to watch TV. And so then when I did like kind of want to like maybe watch something, I was like, oh, that might mean that I'm now filling my life with things that are going to push her out. Um, I don't know that my that our kids have ever necessarily expressed that. We were very upfront with our kids in, in saying we will talk about her um, and we will remember her. And our kids have held us to oh, that yeah. to the point that if we are at the grocery store and the cashier says something about, oh, two boys and two girls, how perfect. And we don't say something. <laughs> they will say, oh, no, we have three girls and two boys. We have a sister that died and she lives in heaven. And they... They don't care that that might make somebody else uncomfortable. They that's just the fact, and so um, I don't know. But if that's so healthy, and that's yeah. what I think kids need to see that and mm-hmm. need to know and to remember, and that that gives them that that like bond. Yes, that they're going to see her again. That hope yes. that they're oh, going to yeah. see her. That she yes. was a, she was real, and God created this person. He knit her together, and she was a special person. Yes, yeah. and that so, connects that for and them. And it's been yeah. interesting to see our youngest daughter, who wasn't even alive when Macy passed away. Like how she's embraced that and just like acts like it's another. I mean, it, it, like Macy is her sister and she is, but it's interesting how she's never met her, never got to hold her, but still like almost has these memories of her, yeah. even though she doesn't. I, ever I think, met, I think met her. Hattie, Hattie's role in the family is an interesting one, right? Because she is like she's the barometer of your memory, right? Like yes. how like how well are we doing memory? Because I <laughs> yeah. wasn't there, but I know what I'm hearing from you and what I'm mm-hmm. able to kind of gain collectively. And that's, sure. I think that's a really, that's just a, it's a cool thing. So, and I yeah. think it, I think it adds a lot to those people who are out there listening, who have had miscarriages mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe they never process that this was loss and this, this, they may not talk about it in an open setting with their family. I know that it was kind of one of those closed conversations for so long for so mm-hmm. many people. And so I know I just want those that are out there, ladies that are, that are saying, I wish I would have, you know, processed this a little bit more. Julie, you know, the pain that um, it comes when you knew there was a child growing in you, but you're not holding that child. Mm-hmm. And how to recognize that you will see her in heaven. Mm-hmm. You will. And to, to recognize that pain for those moms out there. And don't, don't press it down. I think Jesus wants to embrace that. Mm, I so agree. And I so agree. And I think we so as a culture just um, don't even talk about it. Yeah. And and I think there is um, just something lost in that. And it's so important to recognize that pain, which takes us to the whole idea that our pain grows us closer and more like Jesus. And our pain does like change us. It does give us hope. Mm -hmm. And so I, I found this quote and you guys um, like Paul David Tripp, just like myself and Joel here, one of our great. Um, if you need a book on anything that um, will challenge you on relationships, parenting, <laughs> anything uh, in your spiritual walk, just go to Paul David Tripp, right? Amen. Yes. yes. Okay. So here's his um, comment. And I want you guys to build this out a little bit for us and where it's come in your um, life. Mm-hmm. He says, 
I'm not supposed to be just a container of comfort. I am meant to be a conduit of comfort. Wow. I think that relates a lot. Talk to us a little bit. You can um, kind of share your story a little bit in this. Sure. Um, man, it, it hits home. Um, and it's it's so much like every other part of our Christian walk. Um, God doesn't, doesn't, you know, we aren't presented with the gospel just for us to keep it to ourselves. It's not just for me, it's for everyone. And, and so, you know, while the, the Bible says that he comforts us, um, it also tells us because we need to go comfort other people. And so, um, we have seen through this just, I think, massive amounts of healing, um, when we are able to express that same comfort that we have received and, and knowing that, um, it's not ultimately on us to comfort others. It is just up to us to just be that conduit of comfort that we're receiving from God. Um, yeah. So through our work with Hope Mommies, through our work, you know, together as a couple, just meeting the needs of other hurting people. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that it's been interesting for me too, even though that, I'm not directly involved with Hope Mommies per se. Like I don't, I, I'm not a mom, <laughs> um, but I've been able to talk with other guys and other women about this too. Like people even just in my work have come up to me and said, you know, like, hey, I know that your your wife is involved in this and hey, my daughter just lost a baby. And, and so it's, it's been interesting for me to, to be able to, to be able to provide that comfort for the people Going th- going through it, and while Andy says he's not directly involved with Hope Mommies, all, Andy is the, the most <laughs> he's the most unsung heroes of all heroes when it comes to that. He he does he makes it possible. So yeah, yeah, don't yeah. let him don't let him fool you. <laughs> yeah, and it's and obviously on the dad side of things, uh, it it dad, I, as you've experienced dad's experience loss depending on the nature of the loss, you know, experience it differently, and and I think. Uh, there's just a, yeah. There's there's a unique uh, a unique place for men too to to be able to to share and to discuss. And I and I think if we can wade in the water, which you know, not to not to plug anything, but Andy and I every frequently have this discussion over at over at our show at Dudes and Dads Podcast, uh, Dudes and Dads Podcast dot com. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but it's been really interesting as we've reached out to men, I think, too, who have man significant loss stories and and just how. Yeah, as always, we will say it, we'll keep on saying it. There's so much space that we can be creating for people to to work through and process. Well, and that's things. I think that guys in particular don't do a super great job of being able to express their emotions uh, outwardly, especially say, hey, I'm having I'm having trouble with this grief. Um, I'm a pretty emotional guy. Just ask anybody. Um but and so I I feel for me like I'm a, a container or not a container but a conduit because I'm allowing I allowed guys I, I'm very vocal with my loss and and or with our loss and and that grief and and just allow guys to be if they want to come to me to talk to to talk with them yeah absolutely be open available yeah. mm-hmm. I think um, we know that even. Um, now, as we've talked through all these different things, that vulnerability is a key mm-hmm. when it comes to grief. Mm-hmm. And being vulnerable makes you that conduit because you're already opening the, the um, opportunity to have the conversation. And usually it's 
um, me or um, saying, hey, I felt this. And I think so often we always say somebody else is going through this or whatever. But what about me? Where am I mm-hmm. going? And in all of this, we're getting more like Jesus. And Jesus, he experienced grief. He experienced Absolutely. the loss of, you know, Lazarus and he wept and he, he experienced grief in his own life. And even as he um, felt the weight of the world in the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, we have to understand that this takes us closer to being like him. Mm-hmm. And that's our ultimate goal. Yeah, we 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 often talk about I love uh, quoting the uh, the late Eugene Peterson when he talked about discipleship and we 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 love this term a long obedience in the same direction and and that is boy grief offers us an opportunity to pursue a a a long obedience in the same yeah. direction uh, for sure and and I think that's one of the gifts that it that it offers us and so um, yeah something to be something to be embraced for sure um, we would be remiss uh julie without uh, again uh, we say plugging in the podcast rule but really just offering up an opportunity just to talk about hope mommy specifically and hope mommies was a ministry that you connected with following your loss um the grief community is a broad community obviously there were there were places that you connected with but it was like to your guys' specific situation and need you just recognized there was kind of a, a void there correct yes yeah i mean i um I spent a a very short amount of time thinking that I was the only one who had experienced what I had experienced. And then all of a sudden, these these people started coming out of the woodwork of 50 years ago. I I lost a baby, was never allowed to see that baby, Um, never have been able to process that grief. And so I was like, okay, whoa, I'm I'm not the only one that has gone through this. And yet I felt like Maybe I'm the only one who's gone through this and still come on the other side loving Jesus. Um, and so I started on this journey of trying to, to connect myself and I, and I found myself in these online chat rooms and Facebook groups that, that were for moms who had experienced the same type of loss that I had. But whoa, were they the darkest? Um, most hopeless places. I, I would read posts from women who, um, you would have thought that the depth of their despair was the you know 20 years later the exact as it was the you know the day that their baby died and and i just knew this was not where jesus wanted mm-hmm. these women to be that he wanted so much more for them and so i started this this process of of finding something somewhere um that that could encourage me to continue to grieve to not just bottle it up to not just say oh god is good and move on um that would continue to allow me to express all that was going on inside of me um and yet point me um, towards hope. And, and after, uh, nearly a year long search, um, was connected with Hope Mommies. And, and, um, when I, when I found this group, um, it was the, the best way I can describe it, um, uh, is is like on Christmas Eve when I would walk into my grandma's house and the whole family was there and I didn't have to explain anything about my life because they already knew. Um, that's the way that Hope Mommies was for me. I didn't have to go in and I didn't... I, I, I could share my story, but I didn't have to explain the, the why behind anything or why I was feeling anything. It was just a... Me too, sister. Yeah. Me yeah. too. That's awesome. Um, and so I, I knew that this was something that, um, 
that my local community needed. Um, at that time, Hope Mommies was solely in, in Texas, and that's a long way from northern Indiana. We drove to go to their annual conference. Julie like was like, hey, this conference is next week. Can we go? And so like I, we all packed the kids in the van and dumped and, her off. And he's got and, some great stories about weird Texas zoos oh, that uh, he took the yeah, kids to. Yeah, that you went because but, you found yeah, yeah. that this was a place you could connect yeah. and really process what happened with yeah. the people who actually experienced yeah. the same thing. Yes, and for people who, who understood how much I desired to hear my daughter's name spoken and who who understood that I just wanted to show somebody her pictures because I thought she was beautiful and they weren't like, ooh, um, you know, they, and and I just wanted to replicate that so badly for people here in my community. And so the opportunity arose for us to start our own local chapter of Hope Mommies and um, we're now in year number five of doing that. Um, and so we have that same goal of, of just being that door open on Christmas Eve, coming in, Man, we get you. You can say as much or as little as you want, but um, but here you're one of us, and and you are loved not just by us, but by a Creator who who is holding both you and your baby um, in His hands. And we know that that can be a really hard place to be on that delicate dance of grief and faith. Um, but we get it and, and we want to be able to navigate this with you. Oh, so. That's awesome. So let's say we have a listener um, saying, how do I connect with Hope Mommies? What do they do? Hopemommies.org is the best way to connect. Um, you can also look us up on Facebook. Um, Hope Mommies has a fantastic blog. It's just chock full of, of practical biblical advice um, for grief for man, even if you haven't experienced this particular loss, it's just great, solid. Yeah, <laughs> this is how you know Jesus, and this is how you grow mm-hmm. closer to Him. And, I, and yeah. I think for and I think for anybody who's also trying to walk alongside someone or understand that community better, like I just know it's helpful for me too. Just as as we're coming alongside of people um, as well, and and Andy's had a chance. I mean, there's been chances to connect because you were connecting with families, right? Mm-hmm. And a, chance to connect with with dads through that as well and and i think um it, it has been for me I, I just in 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 partnering with some of the events that hope mommies has put on i i just believe in the gospel power of mm-hmm. the message of like mm-hmm. jesus sees your loss and jesus is your hope and and uh and through all of that uh just providing some very practical help speaking of which we want to also talk about we mentioned on sunday uh, Hope Mommies provides this just really beautiful, practical uh, piece of care and ministry uh, to moms uh, and families following a loss. Uh, tell us more about that, Julie. So we have what we call a Hope Box, and these are just photo boxes that we pack full of a Bible, a journal, devotionals written specifically for women who have experienced a miscarriage, stillbirth, death of an infant, um, pampering items, letting them know that we love them, that they are our are worth um, being loved, that their baby has value and purpose. Um, And we donate these to local hospitals, um, funeral homes, physician's offices, churches, anybody that will take them, really, um, and get them into the hands of these women. Um, Inside every box, you'll find a handwritten card from a fellow, what we call Hope Mom, um, that just says, hey, I'm so sorry, and I know I don't have any words to make it better, but I want you to know that that you matter, that your baby matters, and I hope that you'll join this community that's been so helpful to me. And then we um, include literature for how they can get connected to Hope Mommies and, and how they can meet online or in person. Um, and, and yeah, so these Hope Boxes, really, if you're a friend who... 
knows of another friend who has had a loss, this is a great way to enter into their grief. Sometimes that can feel really awkward. Oh, if I if I say something, am I going to make it worse? Give them a gift and give them this gift because I can tell you it's not going to make it worse. It's going to help point them to Jesus, to the hope that we all need. And as you mentioned, I mean, yearly right now, and and clearly there's so many more that could go out, roughly about 350 hope boxes in our region go out uh, every, every single year. But if we were honest, I mean, it would, we could, I mean, so many more, so uh, many more, so many more. And uh, those hope boxes could remind us how those hope boxes are kind of sponsored, put together, made available. So our chapter fundraises, we just had um, a really successful golf outing a couple weeks ago. We do all sorts of different fundraisers throughout the year. We do all of the hard work of it. We raise the money for it. We put them together. We handwrite every one of those cards. Um, and, and so, yeah, so, so we fundraise and then you just need to let us know that you have somebody that needs it and we will make sure that we either get it to you or we'll deliver it for you even. I mean, we literally will do all of the work if you want us to. Right. And there's probably ways that women who have gone through this may want to get involved and be part of the chapter. Yes. If that's you, please get a hold of me. And we'll, and so, uh, over at walkymc.org, W-A-K-Y-M-C.org, we have our at home tab. Every, after every episode and session, we have a whole list of helpful links and places to connect. Uh, Hope Mommies will be on there under uh, resources. Our, uh, resources under session four. And so um, just invite you guys to check over, hop over to the website if that's something that you're interested in. Additional resource that we did mention on Sunday that, again, uh, I, said, I said it this way. Uh, every once in a while a person comes into your life that help that you're just like, this person is showing me Jesus in such a helpful way. Uh, I consider uh, Dr. John Swanson, uh, one of these uh, people. So he serves as a, he serves as a uh, chaplain. Thank chaplain. you. Hospital the, chaplain. Why did the, the, <laughs> the chaplain. chaplain, right. He serves as a chaplain, a hospital chaplain and was in uh, other pastoral ministry for a long time. He has just come out with a book entitled This is Hard, What I Say When Loved Ones Die. And it's my kind of book. It's a great resource. It's really short. But it's like super practical, right? right? So it takes you through all these various scenarios, um, one of which, uh, this, and this is how real it gets, one of which is, how you talk about a person who you who everyone knows was not a great yes. person, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, even to that kind of level of what is the conversation that we we can have that is that's helpful, or you know, um, just so many different scenarios runs through there. So again, we're gonna have a link to be able to get that book. Um, and you know what? Honestly, if you want that book, call us, email us here at the church. We've got we have copies here too. Yes. Would love to would love to provide one for you if that's a the need that you have. But just another. Yes. And I think, resource. I think, Joel, both you and I agree that this is um, not just about the discussion that we're having in the conversation. The other word comes for forefront, which is here at the church, which we talk about discipleship, but it's equipping. Yeah. And that's our goal here is to equip the believers to do the work of what he's called us to do. And so, like um, Joel said, you may be the person grieving. We want to walk with you. 
but you may be the person walking alongside somebody grieving. And so we want to equip you. Yeah. And so those are two, two things that um, we want to offer through this um, home series. And I, I hope and pray that you can, um, to use this um, to better be both of those things. Yeah. And we just, we want to give, I, it's an interesting thing. We want to give people some confidence in going into hard places and, and having, like you said, having some, some tools in their tool belt uh, to, to take steps because ultimately uh, you know, God might be calling you might be calling you to be that, that voice of healing and that, that hope. And it might feel uncomfortable, but let's just be honest. God does his best work when we're uncomfortable. I mean, let's be some conduits. Yeah, let's be some conduits of comfort to people. Amen. That's right. That's right. Friends, uh, we've so appreciated you joining us uh, on here. Um, just another another great time of conversation uh, with our At Home series. I just want to continue to remind you that we are available uh, online. We Every week we have uh, both our Sunday session and a uh, follow-up episode available online. Uh, at all the great places that you get your podcast from. Um, but uh, thanks for joining us today on another session. Can't wait to talk with you next week. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.